Welcome to Success Hackers, Cracking the Entrepreneurial Code, the podcast that's focused on empowering entrepreneurs to find the edge and take their business to a whole nother level. We're peeking behind the curtain to learn entrepreneurial shortcuts and success strategies from the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Get ready for mind-blowing entrepreneurial tips with your host, high-performance business coach, keynote speaker, and author, Scott Hansen. Showtime in three, two, one. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Scott Hansen. Welcome back to another episode of Success Hackers. At the timing of this, uh, this podcast and the taping of this podcast, we're right around the Thanksgiving mark for for the United States folks, um, so happy Thanksgiving to all the folks um, that were coming up here on Thanksgiving very, very shortly. Depending on when you're listening to this, you're either listening to this before or after <laughs> or after Thanksgiving. And um, hopefully you're able to go out and spend some time with family, have some great food, and really give back. Uh, my wife and I, for the last several years, have been giving back every Thanksgiving. And we give back by... By donating our time and food to the elderly folks here in our city, which, um, you know, it, it just makes you feel really good to be able to give back to people that are maybe a little bit less fortunate than we are. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to all the Hacker Nation listeners. So Hacker Nation, let's get right down to business. We're about to speak to someone who has been literally the top earner in a very large company and then made the transition not that long ago and is absolutely crushing it as the business leader and business owner. Today, our featured guest is Mr. Tim Shom. Tim, are you ready to rock? I'm ready to rock. Thanks for having me. Tim Shom is the founder and president of Lucas James Talent Partners, an on-demand recruitment services firm based out of Chicago, Illinois. Lucas James offers contract full life cycle recruitment and candidate sourcing services on an innovative hourly weekly model, giving their clients a cost-effective, flexible, and high-performing solution to find great people as an alternative to traditional fee-based recruiting firms. Prior to launching Lucas James, Tim spent the first 10 years of his career at one of the largest global staffing and recruitment firms, starting his career in recruitment and sales and eventually becoming the firm's top sales producer nationally for several years before moving into leadership to run the firm's Chicago market. Tim, welcome to Success Hackers. Man, it's really great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for happy uh, having me. I'm looking forward to this for sure. Absolutely. Well, tell our tell our listeners. I I mentioned your business, but um, you know when 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 I when we're talking to business owners and entrepreneurs, it's really important to understand what I call the journey. So, how did you go from you know the super talented individual within a larger firm and then what what made sort of the tweak why the the shift into hey man i'm doing pretty well you know with without really any of the headaches and now i'm going to do this thing called start a business and <laughs> here we go and uh and love to hear kind of the journey for from where you started to where where you're at today sure absolutely i get asked that a lot so yeah to take it even farther back i've always been very entrepreneurial. I had a lawn maintenance company back in high school and college. I had a t-shirt company where we'd sell t-shirts across campus at college football games. And I've always been entrepreneurial. I always wanted to start my own thing. Um, not to make any comparisons, but Mark Zuckerberg and I are about two days apart in age. Uh -huh. And 
I was in college when he started uh, Facebook. So at a very early age, I started to read Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, and really get to understand what entrepreneurship is, maybe the differences between equity ownership and being an employee at a, at a company. Mm. Uh, so uh, r- rather than start a business right out of college, which I, I think is pretty intimidating for most folks, I you know started my career at a recruiting and staffing company, one of the world's largest uh, privately held recruiting and staffing companies. Started off in recruiting. I uh, had a good sales track record and worked my way up into leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think the trigger for me was a couple different things. One was um, I had settled down and had a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest, Lucas, is uh, going on five. So right around this time, I was doing this you know, crazy hard job, working 70 hours a week in an office. And it was kind of that crossroads where I either have to mentally be okay with being a lifer in this corporate structure, or if I'm going to make this move that I wanted to make for a very long time, I just got to do it now. So uh, I made the, uh, the the leap or the jump. I had the nudge uh, into entrepreneurship. Unfortunately, I had a two and a half year non-compete within the recruiting business. Mm-hmm. And I decided to uh, uh, not mess with that, of course. I don't think starting your business with any lawsuits makes a ton of sense. So, uh, you know, I became a, a sales consultant. My background is in sales and sales leadership. Um, I started consulting with small and medium sized business owners. I got heavily involved in the technology community here in Chicago and helped kind of uh, that seed stage company or entrepreneur go from that seed to series A level, help them uh, with uh, maybe creating repeatable sales processes, mm-hmm. coaching sales reps, creating that repeatable sales structure, comp modeling for salespeople. And I really learned a lot from doing that. As much as I was teaching entrepreneurs how to scale their company, integrate marketing, uh, and so forth. I was learning about their stories and what to do and what not to do when I was eventually going to start my business. So mm-hmm. uh, very much time well spent, was able to build my network up uh, quite a bit. And then after the non-compete ran out, I started my business about a month later in August of 2018. Love the story. Um, and I know we could probably be here for hours to, to really understand the nuances and, and all that, but we're going we're gonna to actually come back to that. But I want to I want to know in your business with with as many quote unquote recruitment firms out there, what makes Lucas James maybe different from the competition? Sure, really good question. And I thought a lot about that before I started the business. Um, recruiting and staffing is one of the larger uh, industries in that uh, really any size company, every company out there has outsourced recruiting to a marketing firm somewhere along the way, or it's a big part of their business. So it's a $140 billion industry. Uh, it's very low barriers to entry. So it doesn't take a lot of capital uh, to start a recruiting firm. You can start it in your basement with a laptop and a phone. So I think there's uh, about 20,000 registered recruiting and staffing companies out there. And if you look at the industry and really dissect it, Um, And and by the way, recruiting firms typically operate, 90% of them, they would charge anywhere from 20, 25, 30% of first year salary Mm. as a one-time fee anytime uh, the firm makes a placement, right? Right, So in the the buyer's eyes, these are very, very, very high fees. And 90% of that industry, 90% of those 20,000 firms operate the same way. And if you look at the recruiting industry, it's one of the only industries where the vendor is asked to do, let's call it 90% of the work up front without getting any monetization for that work. Right. So so the way the industry uh, operates is on what they call a contingent basis, where um, the recruitment firm qualifies a job opening, uh, does all the search strings, cold calling of candidates, screening of candidates, reference checks on the background, all for essentially free until um, that successful placement is made. And as such, there's a lot of risk 
on the vendor. There's a lot of risk on the recruiting firm. Mm -hmm. And when I was at a larger organization that I thought did things very well, maybe 65 or 70% of our recruiters time went unmonetized. So because of all that risk, that's why companies need to charge 20, 25, 30% fees, anywhere from 10 to $30,000 per placement. It's because they're not necessarily doing a 10 to $30,000 good job. It's all because the model is so archaic. So what we've done at Lucas James is we kind of flipped that model on its head. So we have a team of senior recruiters and sourcing specialists and clients hire our resources on an hourly or weekly basis to act as an extension of their company either an extension of an existing talent acquisition team, or for a lot of small small businesses and startups, Mm -hmm. we end up playing that talent acquisition department role so they can completely outsource this to us. So when companies have multiple hiring needs, anywhere from, let's call it three to 30 plus, they'll come to us, we'll fill multiple job openings while we're engaged, and that cost per hire because we're engaging on an hourly basis ends up being 40 to 60% more cost effective than the alternative. So that's kind of what we're mm. selling. We're selling ourselves as an alternative to 90% uh, percent of the other competition that's out there. So back to your question around marketing, you know, uh, step one would be to differentiate ourselves uh, just solely based on the model in which right. we engage. And then to really kind of hone in on I- an ideal client profile that this service makes the most sense for. Uh, so that's what we did uh, going on 16 months ago and we've seen a lot of success with it thus far. Doing like you just you just you just said sixteen months ago. So you went from you know we talked about you being this literally that one of the top people in the entire company for this 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 global company, uh, non compete for a little while, going off doing the sales consulting, and now back in the game, back to where you were crushing it for so many years. But now you're wearing a different hat. I mean, you're wearing a similar hat, but now a much different hat at the same time. What do you think you've learned about uh, the transition from being an employee to an employer? Wow. Uh, I think there's a lot, you know, for me, you know, coming from a larger organization, I think you take for granted a lot of the, uh, structure that's in place. You know, I didn't have to really worry about, you know, finances or a banking relationship or our AR invoicing or AR that's outstanding or even, uh, marketing that was all kind of done for us. I just needed to put the sales hat on management hat on and, and we were good to go. So I think taking that not necessarily for granted, but appreciating it more mm. and putting the appropriate, uh, pieces in place early on in the business, uh, has made us very successful for, for example, one of the first investments that I made was in an outsourced marketing firm. Um, you know, to go from an industry where your relationship is your brand uh, at, a, at a larger company with an even bigger brand to, hey, it's just Tim out here mm-hmm. uh, hanging up a shingle. Uh, I thought that content marketing piece was really important and we've we've seen uh, you know dividends pay off of that. Uh, one of my first hires was um, an operations manager and that person wears multiple hats. Uh, they carry our AR, AP function, uh, HR hat for onboarding of new employees, um, executive assistant in a lot of cases, and really that catch-all person. So I can just kind of focus on basically wearing that chief revenue officer hat right. and just you know driving revenue early on in the process. And that was uh, th- those things that I mentioned are definitely a game changer for us. Well, I, I want to piggyback off what you just said. I think it's important for all the Hacker Nation listeners who are maybe a one-man band or a one-woman band or they have maybe one or maybe another person on their team, but they – they, you know, they realize at the end of the day that they're the bottleneck. They're the best 
in sales. They're the best in marketing. They're the best at doing the books, et cetera, et cetera, because we get comfortable as, as human beings doing things that we're good at or frankly just comfortable doing. You early on, you realize that you maybe you didn't want to do those things. Maybe you weren't as good as those things. And you said chief revenue officer. Someone out there is listening right now to say, okay, that sounds great. But how? how like, how did Tim do it? How did Tim, you know, build that initial bridge because it, that initial bridge, number one, has to do with fear, you know, and number two, and number two has to do with money. So when you sure. come out, when you first come out of the gates, maybe you, you have both, you have fear and you have maybe a lack of money. How are you able to so quickly understand that, you know, my giftedness is leadership and going out and getting new, you know, new clients and new deals, not over here spending my time in doing the quote unquote granularity of the work. Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, first I'll kind of hit the fear piece. Um, it's scary. You know, I think, you know, there's a lot of comfort in, you know, doing what the majority of uh, the U.S. does mm -hmm. and has a job and an occupation and they have uh, benefits and 401k and all that kind of stuff and then ultimately make the leap to go out on your own. Uh, you're basically hanging a shingle, but you're telling your friends, your family, this is what I'm doing. And it's um, kind of leaves yourself up to, um, you know, potentially fail in the eyes of others. And I think that's a, a big fear that people have to overcome. So I think there's got to be some confidence that you have in yourself in either your product, your service, you, and you just got to make that jump. Um, and it's still going to be scary. You just have to be resourceful along the way. And now in terms of outsourcing, uh, there is a cost associated with it. Uh, no doubt. I run this exercise uh, on myself and my business, and I used to do this with some of my clients on some of it a consistent basis about quarterly. And what I'll do is I'll kind of write out every single task that I'm doing Monday through Friday, any given week in the business on the, uh, you know, it could be anything from business development activities, meeting with uh, potential customers, strategic partners, uh, potential candidates, uh, could be internal recruiting, meeting with potential recruiters that could jump on the team, meeting with potential salespeople that could come on the team, but also some of the you know, administrative stuff. So bookkeeping, um, scheduling appointments for right. myself, right. Um, inputting data into our CRM, something mm -hmm. that I can do because I'm still wearing the sales hat. But, right. you know, what are these things? And I, I attach a dollar value to it. So uh, $5 signs is uh, the, the most valuable $1 sign is the least valuable. So I, I would put the $5 signs on one-on-ones with the team, you know, being a good leader, uh, meeting with potential customers, meeting with current customers, uh, something on maybe the, the $1 sign uh, value might be, you know, some of the other things that I had mentioned, scheduling appointments, mm -hmm. um, automating certain things administratively in our business, uh, following up on invoices. <clears throat> so if I'm circling maybe the one or $2 sign things and say, can I automate this? Can I delegate it? Can I hire for it? Or, or four, can I find a technology that can, uh, that I can leverage to free myself up? So every quarter I'm looking for maybe anywhere from two to five hours per week in my business that I'm maybe spending on things that can be automated, delegated, right. finding technology for so on and so forth, and then do those things and then spend an extra five hours a week on business development or hiring people and some of those other activities. And I think if you lather, rinse and repeat that, you're going to get off the ground a lot faster, but there's a cost associated with it and you have to have confidence in some of those $5 signs and $4 signs that you're executing on those things right uh, in order to get to where you need to go. You mentioned a cost. 
And Hacker Nation, what Tim's talking about, of course, is the actual cost of hiring someone to do a specific job. But what I want everybody to really, really sort of get from what Tim's inferring is that there's also a cost that if you don't outsource, that you really are bottlenecking or hampering the business. Yes, there might be a quote unquote cost, a dollar value cost to hiring someone, but the real issue is the bigger picture. And it's actually costing you scalability if you're not able to put a little bit of money up front towards a specific in, towards a specific person so that person can offload to do the, the things that really drive what I call the three income producing activities in your business that really moves the needle in your business. Would you agree on that, Tim? I would absolutely agree on that. And even just to take it a step further, so even applying a dollar value on your time and then utilizing that as a metric with this exercise has been key, right? So I might say, you know, my time is worth $30 an hour, 50, 100, whatever. Uh, but if I can outsource some things at a lesser dollar value, so maybe, you know, hiring somebody at $20 an hour to offload some of right. these things. Uh, for me, it's been, you know, I, I added two senior salespeople um, that had great careers in their own right onto the team. But I looked at that and said, if, if I don't get these people on board where I want to be in five years, I'm just going to pitter patter along on growth um, and, and be that bottleneck, as you mentioned. Mm. Um, so I'm definitely taking a little bit more of an aggressive approach maybe than most folks. But um, I think it's important to look out where you want to be in five years and then reverse engineer that, uh, that back and say, what do I need to do today in order to get there? And I think this exercise that you mentioned and that we're talking about yeah. right now is a good step for that. I love it. You mentioned leadership a few times. What do you think makes you a strong leader? And I and I and I use the term leadership. Leadership can be a lot of different things, but really at the end of the day for me, leadership has to do with the ability to influence others. What makes you a strong leader? Sure. Good question. Uh man, you're really putting me on the hot seat here because that's uh you gotta <laughs> that's go outside, the success of the, hackers outside of the humility. Is. Right. Uh I, I a couple of things I, yeah. I at least thrive to be in the seat that I'm at yeah. and um, I'm sure I'm falling short in other areas, but uh, I think at the early stage, you really have to create a strong vision for where the organization is looking to go. And you have to be a proponent for that. You have to be a champion for that. And then you have to get other people excited about potentially jumping on uh, what that vision looks like and be a part of it. And I think that goes back to, you know, hiring your first four, five, 10, 20 team members. Um, and that skill set, I think, is uh, has helped me with that for sure. Um, you know, I, I've I've been in management a long time, and I've definitely, you know, my, maybe my first year had a little bit of a micromanager kind of syndrome. And you know, I think over time, you really kind of you know figure out what your leadership style is and what really resonates with people. And I think for me, I always like to put myself in other people's shoes, whether that's a customer, my wife, my children, uh, or any team member, and say, you know, if I'm in their shoes today. What do I need? What do I want? And what do I need to hear? And just really every little conversation I have, every email that I send, I have a weekly call with my entire team. Um, I really try to put myself in their shoes and then operate based off of that. So that could be, you know, within coaching, what do they need to maybe get better? Uh, that could be with motivation. You know, maybe they're going through a rut and, you know, what do they need to get out of that that day? Or maybe they're on a high and they just, you know, need some acknowledgement that, hey, I am doing a good job and I'm, I'm validating that from my leadership chair. I personally have worked with a lot of business owners and also had other business owners literally on this show that we've talked about this word called culture and everybody wants an empowered culture in the, you know, on the team and everybody, you know, the right people in the right seats go in the right direction and that's and everybody, you know, working together for a common goal or for a common vision. What do you think is important? The ability to say, this is who we are 
and and then drive the talent into the scenario and hire the right people that fit the criteria or is it you know what we want to we want to bring on different different interests and different commonalities and different all of that to mesh into something and then and then once we get those people on board we'll kind of have them buy into or help create the culture so i guess the long-winded way of saying what do you think comes first the the business and the leader and this is who we are and this is what we do or the other way around i would answer that i think it's the former and you want to have an idea of what you want this thing to look like and the people that you want as part of that and some of the core values that you're going to live by. The asterisk that I would put by it is that you're going to have to maybe change that or tweak that along the way, depending on market conditions, who you have on the team, maybe different pivots that you're having along along the way. Um, in our business, uh, you know, like I said, I was working in an office for 60, 70 hours a week for 10 years. It was very important to me to um, have a remote business, uh, even if we're a thousand employees and, uh, that's what we set out to do. So currently we have 30 team members. Everybody works remotely. We do have a, um, a coworking space that we, you know, kind of use as a sales office that we meet this kind of, uh, a, a jam session kind of headquarters for the right. sales team. But you know what, we're, we're a remote organization. And what I like to say is, you know, what I hope I can say is that we hire people with a really, really good head on their shoulders. If you ask any of my team, they've heard me say that quite a bit. And what I mean by having a good head on your shoulders is that you're high integrity, you have empathy, you're putting yourself in the other people's shoes. Uh, not only is that really important in the recruiting business because you're dealing with people all day, I just think it's important in life yeah. and the people that I want to surround myself with. And I think, you know, our culture will be defined as we continue to grow um, and, and more and more systems and structure gets in place. But I think that's where we're going to start. Tim, as you know, our Hacker Nation community listens to the show for actual success hacks and strategies to help grow themselves and their business. You've already given us some really awesome nuggets. Now we shine the success hack spotlight on you, Tim. So what's maybe one success hack that you can share with our listeners? Anything from a, a mindset strategy, a positioning strategy, a sales strategy of how you show up or whatever it is that you want to share with them, something that they can literally take as soon as they're done listening to this and apply to their business. Um, a, lot, a lot of our clients are small businesses or startups. And like I said before, I was working with them with the um, consulting head on previously. And I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs kind of um, just get so busy and work so hard and work weekends and work nights, you know, but when they're really um, looking in the mirror, once they go into every single weekend, they're not necessarily moving the needle on growing the revenue side of their company. So I said it before earlier in our talk, but you really have to be that chief revenue officer hat. So I try to stay very, very disciplined around going into the weekend with X amount of meetings, X amount of coffees, mm. X amount of lunches, because I know that there's always going to be stuff to do. Right. Uh, there's always stuff that you can fill your day with that needs to get done. But at the end of the day, if you're not growing the revenue side of your business, you're not marketing and evangelizing your business, uh, you're not going to grow. So I always really uh, try to put that first and stay very disciplined to that. I would imagine at some point uh, I'll be out of the sales chair myself and maybe just be managing a team. And and I, I'm always going to be pushing that with our organization because outside of all the things that could be going on in the business, if you're not out there marketing, uh, making very strategic connections and relationships with potential buyers, you know, at the end of the day, what, what are you doing? You're just right. going to be stuck and stagnant. So I think um, 
you know that that's what I would uh, the advice that I would give to the the hacker nation. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I, and hacker nation, I think that uh, at the end of the day, Tim comes from. You can just hear Tim's confidence in the way he delivers. You know, delivers his content. He comes from a sales and leadership background. Some of you right now are, might be listening, saying, "Hey, I'm I'm not necessarily a sales guy or a sales gal, and I'm not necessarily an amazing marketer." And I work with a lot of those people. I work with a lot of people that aren't. They're very good at working in the business or very good at their craft, whether it's being a chiropractor or a dentist or landscaper or general contract, fill in the blank. They're not technically, and I'm doing air quotes, <laughs> they're not great at sales. I would challenge all of you listening who your initial voice is, oh, I'm not good in sales. I'm not good at marketing. You have to get rid of that because if you're a business owner, you have to be good in sales. You have to be good at marketing. If you don't know how to do it as well as the next person, then take a class or hire a mentor or hire a coach or, you know, you know, shit, go on to YouTube and type in sales training. And I'm telling you, the thousands of things will come up. You have to get better at that on a daily basis. You have to get better at that. In order to do that, you have to put the time in. Would you would you uh, would you agree with that, Tim? I would definitely agree with that. Or, um, you know, if you're a technical founder or a subject matter expert in your space, like you got to go find another co-founder that can Mm. that can take on those tasks or you got to hire for it early or raise capital to hire for that. If it's not you, someone else needs to be doing that. And if you don't have any of those avenues, it has to be you. Yeah. Uh, Someone needs to be doing that to uh, market the business appropriately, no doubt. Well, Tim, we are now entering the randomness round, but before we do, let's take one quick moment to learn something brand new. Hacker Nation, I just released my second book, and uh, amazingly enough, we hit bestseller status in less than seven days. Needless to say, I'm a little excited and a little fired up. This book is literally a step-by-step roadmap to help any small business owner hit seven figures or multiple seven figures. Just like an architect needs a set of blueprints to build a house, entrepreneurs need their own blueprint on exactly how to build a success business. So if you want my newest book and it's free for a very limited time, go to blueprintplaybook.com to grab your free copy. That's again, blueprintplaybook.com to grab your free copy. Okay, Tim, we are back and about to enter the randomness round. The randomness round is kind of like putting you on the success hackers version of the hot seat. Whatever is the first answer that comes to mind, just let it rip. So Tim, are you ready for the randomness round? I'm ready. Let's do it. Best advice you've ever received? Golden rule. Always put yourself in the other people's shoes and do unto others that you would want done to you. What is a daily habit that you do sometime throughout the day that puts you in a great frame of mind? First thing I do every morning is plan for that day. What's the number one trait that you have that's contributed to your success? Consistency. What is a hidden talent that you have, Tim, that most people may not know about you? In high school and college, I did stand-up comedy, would help, which helped uh, alleviate some of the nerves around public speaking and uh, maybe even situations like this. Wow. So you can literally, you know, were you good at the jokes? Were you good at the, the positioning of the, like, what was the, yeah, just oh boy. thinking yeah, off your feast? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah this uh, comedic timing, and I was very animated. I know this is a podcast <laughs> and people can't see me, but I'm just jumping around back here. Yeah. <laughs> What is one book that you've read that's made an impact on your business, Tim? First Break All the Rules by Marcus Buckingham. If you can recommend one social media tool or an overall service to our Hacker Nation, what would that be? If you don't have LinkedIn Sales Navigator or if you're a recruiter, LinkedIn Recruiter, it has been a game changer in the recruiting industry and in 
the sales industry. So uh, we use LinkedIn quite a bit. It's always up. And uh, I would make sure everyone's investing pretty heavily in LinkedIn to be successful. Tim, you are now officially off the randomness round hot seat. Oof. All right. Perfect. <laughs> that sounds good. Thank you. This has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for your time and sharing these incredible success strategies with our Hacker Nation. Where can our listeners find out more about you, Tim, your business, or anything else that you'd like to share? Sure. I'm all over LinkedIn. Uh, just type in Tim Shum and you can find me there. Uh, our company name is Lucas James Talent Partners. It's www.lucasjamestalent.com. I think those are the two uh, primary places that you get, uh, you guys can find us. Awesome. Hacker Nation, make sure to head over to successhackers.net. That's successhackers.net for this episode's show notes and recap from today's incredible interview with Tim. Also, don't forget when you're on the site, don't forget to click subscribe so that you get all the latest, greatest episodes. And remember, if you want a free copy of the newest book, The Blueprint, then uh, make sure to go to the website that I shared with you, which is blueprintplaybook.com. That's blueprintplaybook.com to grab your free copy. This is Scott Hansen saying thanks again for listening to another episode of Success Hackers. Until the next show, go out and live with passion.